This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing is to give our attention to Jesus. Hi, friends. Welcome. Here we are in the middle of December. We are smack dab in the middle of the Christmas season. And I received an email that just asked me the question. A friend just wrote, are you all ready for the holidays? Say what? (laughs) No. I ended up Googling for advice on getting ready. And what came up was the first article. It was tips on surviving Christmas. And then it went on way before the Christmas season arrives. So honestly, I've already failed. You need to set up a general plan to help you get through the holiday. Think of every possible thing you may encounter during Christmas season. The list-making, shopping, cooking, cleaning, decorating, visiting, or hosting. That was just the beginning of the article. And I was already overwhelmed, so I closed it. The next site was on managing the holidays. The one after that was tips for coping with Christmas. Manage the holidays. Cope with them. Survive them. Get through them. I know this time of year can be a difficult one for many. There are seasons when the best thing we can do is get through them. And at Christmas time, often feelings of loneliness and sorrow are heightened. Difficult situations, painful relationships, health crises, they don't take a holiday. And for many of us, it's the first Christmas without a loved one. For others, it's the second. For more, it's the 30th. I'm so sorry. And it's okay to feel sad, to feel grief, to feel loneliness, to feel sorrow. Sorrow is actually the flip side of joy. Our capacity to feel grief and pain matches exactly our capacity to feel joy and delight. So yes, feel it. If this is an extra tough season for you and yours, then offer yourself the gift of grace and mercy. Be gentle with your own soul. May we all be gentle with one another's today, every day, this Christmas. Christmas. I'm no longer a child, so the word doesn't fill me with wonder right off the bat, but often a pressure, a responsibility. There is so much to do. So are you ready for Christmas? Are you doing cards this year? A family photograph? Are you giving presents? Have you even begun shopping? Are you finished shopping? Is what you ordered going to arrive on time? What about wrapping? Baking? Decorating? Addressing? Mailing? Celebrating? Creating moments to cherish forever? (laughs) Okay, yes, there is pressure. But I don't want to be a woman who merely manages the holidays, who copes with them, survives the days, gets through it. Don't we all want to be women who embrace our lives, who actually enjoy the gift that our lives are in both busy and slow seasons? We can do that. We get to do that. Does that sound impossible? 
Well, there are seasons where that may feel impossible, but Jesus, the one who this holiday is all about, said that with God, all things are possible. In fact, God is the God of the glorious impossible. Why does Christmas, in spite of the pressure, still evoke such deep feelings of longing, seem to hold such promise? I have a sign that says, Believe, that I pull out in December. It's painted with shiny red glitter, and it shimmers along the pathway to my front door. We use words like wonder and mystery and believe at Christmas. But what exactly is the promise? The promise of Christmas is that what seems impossible to us can become possible because of God. You remember how all this started, right? On a silent night in the little town of Bethlehem. Well, actually, it started nine months before that with a little teenage girl named Mary who was not ready for Christmas. We're all familiar with the story. Mary was a young woman, somewhere between 13 and 15 years old, when the angel Gabriel appeared to her, divinely interrupting her normal day, and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Granted, this is hard to imagine. Filmmakers have tried to capture this moment, but they haven't quite done it. How could they? Heaven broke into an ordinary life, an ordinary moment, unbidden and without the heralding of trumpets. The angel simply appeared and then told her startling news. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Wow. No matter how shocked Mary was, how troubled, no matter what she actually felt inside, she didn't scream or fall on her face. She simply asked the angel, How will this be? She asked with expectancy, How will God do this with me being a virgin and all? It's not a question of doubt. It's a question rooted in faith. Mary immediately believed Gabriel. Unbeknownst to her, this same angel had visited her relative, Zechariah, and brought him the astonishing impossible news. Gabriel had told Zechariah that he and his wife were going to have a little miracle of their own. And Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I 
am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. When the angel Gabriel told Zechariah that he and Elizabeth in their old age would have a child, have an amazing son, Zechariah asked, how can this be? Not how will, but how can. It's a one-word difference that exposed his heart. He did not believe the angel, and it did not go well for him. Mary is blessed by the angel above all women, and Zechariah is struck dumb. Mary asked, how will, how will? Because Mary knew God before she ever carried him in her womb. She knew that if God says something, anything, we can believe him. God is true. Friends, Jesus is a man of his words. Mary knew that nothing is impossible for God before the angel ever spoke those words. Her response, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it done to me as you have said, translates, Well, alrighty then. Okay. I belong to God. I am his. So yes, Lord, you bet. Whatever he wants to do is fine by me. Did she know what this was going to mean to her? Maybe. Probably not. Was she afraid? Maybe. She was a human being. She wasn't perfect. And she knew better than anyone, just as we know better than anyone. Her own failings, as we know our own. Her weaknesses, as we know ours. And God chose her in her weakness. He chose her to bring the Savior of the world to the world, just as God has chosen you to carry and to bring the Savior of the world to your world. Mary said, you know best. She trusts God, trusts that he is good. She believed God and knew that he was worthy of her yes. She was a woman, a very young woman of very profound faith. She asked, how will this amazing, mysterious God, what will he do next? How good it is to follow in her footsteps, to believe in the graciousness of uncertainty. Oswald Chambers writes, We are not uncertain of God, but uncertain of what he will do next. If we are only certain in our beliefs, we get dignified and severe and have the ban of finality about our views. But when we are rightly related to God, Life is full of spontaneous, joyful uncertainty and expectancy. This life of ours, friends, you know it, it is uncertain. But we can be expectant of good because God is good. His promises to us are true and he is faithful. It's not a question of if God is going to show up, but how. It's not a question of if he is going to move on our behalf, but how. It isn't ever a question of if he is going to continue loving us, pursuing us, and romancing us deeper into his heart, but a question of how. We can live with joyful uncertainty and expectancy. There are no ifs with God. 
The only ifs relate to us if we will believe him, if we will ask him, if we will continue to ask him. How God loves his people to ask him and to ask him in faith, pressing in, continuing to ask, no matter how long it takes, believing that he will come through. Hey, really, what's too hard for God? A virgin giving birth? God himself becoming a man and living among us? Flooding the whole earth, maybe? Or coming for you? Coming to you in your uncertainty, your need, your heartbreak? The angel Gabriel said, For with God, nothing will be impossible. The miraculous is not a strange thing to God. The miraculous is His normal. Divinely interrupting our lives is not an extraordinary event. God has come. God will come. He loves to come. And He never changes. He likes showing up. God likes rescuing His people. He likes coming through in dramatic ways. The stories we find in the Bible are ripe with him stacking the deck against his ability to rescue or save, and then pow! He proves himself amazing, powerful, awesome, involved once again. He is the God of last-minute deliverances. He showed up in Nazareth and visited a teenager. By the time Mary and Joseph made their way to that famous little village called Bethlehem, The nation of Israel was practically nothing. All the glory of David's reign was long gone. It was forgotten history. Israel was a speck in the Roman Empire. Whatever hope, whatever promise the people of Israel held for their nation had faded. But now, after all those years, God was coming for his people at long last. The glorious, impossible. God himself was coming to earth as a man to take on the human condition to rescue us. I am asking him today to come for us, to come for you, to come for your heart, to come for you in your place of need. And I am not going to ask him, how can he come? But like Mary, I am expectant that he will. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, I re-spray-painted my Believe sign this past weekend. Over the years, it had begun to fade. I needed to refurbish it, strengthen it, brighten up the red glitter. There are times when I need others to do that for me, for my heart. There are times when we all need that in the pace of life, in the sorrow of it, 
in the difficult things we are at times living in, it's easy for our belief in the goodness of God in His love to fade. That's okay. That's part of being a human being. We get to strengthen one another, remind one another, be reminded by Jesus to believe. My sign practically glows in the dark now. There's a story in the Gospel of Mark about a father who is struggling to believe. He is a parent, and there is no pain quite like the pain in a parent's heart when their child is suffering and they can't help them. This dad was smart, so he knew where to bring his need, where to bring his son. He went to Jesus. He asked Jesus for help. Kind of. He said, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. You know how Jesus replied. He replied, if I can, everything is possible for him who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. It's a good prayer because Jesus can. And by the way, he did. There is so much to learn from Mary, how she lived her life, her choices, her faith. But let's skip ahead 30 years and peek back in. This is before Jesus had begun his ministry. You remember, before he had entered into his mission, he and a handful of his disciples went to a wedding in Cana. Lots of family and friends were there. His mother was there. I really love the relationship between Mary and Jesus. Jesus was a 30-year-old man, and he was still going to the same parties that his mother went to. (laughs) So yay! You remember the story. It's a Jewish wedding. They're not celebrating in the synagogue basement, drinking punch out of styrofoam cups for an hour. The party is long, and it is huge. There's dancing. There's feasting, there's drinking, and they run out of wine, which, by the way, is a big deal. Mary found out that they had run out of wine. How embarrassing for the hosts. So she went and found Jesus, and all she had to do is tell him, son, they've run out of wine. His response, you know it, woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. And you know he wasn't rude to her. We know Jesus loved his mother. Some of his very last breaths on the cross were devoted to caring for her. We know he wasn't rude, too, because A, the Son of God would never be rude to his mother, and B, Mary's response. She turns to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. She trusts him. She believes in him. Jesus hadn't planned on revealing himself yet, but, well, his mother asked him to. So, since you asked, Jesus likes to be asked. Mary turned to the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. That is such good advice. Can you hear her? She's saying the same thing to us. Do whatever he tells you to do. He's good. He's powerful. He is love. He knows what he is doing. We can trust him. So today, do you know what he tells you? He says, do not be afraid. 
just believe, believe me. He says, you can trust me, follow me, receive my love. Cast all your cares on me because I care for you. In exchange for your fear and your worry and your doubt, I will give you my peace. I have come to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captive free. I have come for you to bring healing and restoration to your heart and to your life. I have come that you might have life and life to the full. He says, it's not too late. It won't be too hard, not with me, not for me. He says, I can. He says, ask me. He says, I love you and nothing is impossible for me. Remember when the angel Gabriel visited Zechariah and he asked, how can this happen? And Gabriel responded, do you know who I am? I stand in the presence of God. Gabriel knew who he was. It's important to know. Do you know who you are, friends? In this moment, I want to remind you of that as well. You are the one for whom Jesus came. You were the one for whom he invaded the kingdom of this world. The ancient of days disguised himself as a babe, snuck into the enemy camp, was born to a teenage virgin to win you for himself because he loves you right now. Jesus lived and loved and died and rose and lives today to win your heart for himself increasingly. Nothing is impossible for God, friends. He's here now, breaking into your day, continuing his invasion, divinely interrupting the ordinary and telling you, I'm coming for you. What is the impossible thing in your life right now? Where do you need God to come and invade? Do you need deep restoration of your femininity, of your heart? Do you need healing from past experiences? Freedom from regret? Is there a situation in your family that you need him to come for? Where do you need him to come into your life, maybe for the first time? You know, God didn't wait to send the angel to Mary until she was all grown up, married, respectable, had her act together. Jesus came to Mary in the middle of her mess, and he comes smack dab to the middle of ours. He didn't wait to send Jesus to me until I was all cleaned up. He came into the middle of my impossible. He's still coming for me. He's still coming for you today. One of my husband's favorite Christmas songs is O Little Town of Bethlehem. Remember it? How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but 
world of sin. Where meek souls will receive Him, still the dear Christ enters in. The promise of Christmas is that it keeps happening. See, Jesus did come. He lived. He really did. He died on a cross for me, for you. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose. He's alive. And he's continuing his rescue mission, bringing the dead to life, raising the dead places in us, bringing healing, mercy, love, grace, new life, restoration reconciling us to our true Father, accomplishing the glorious impossible. The glorious wonder of Christmas is that God keeps his promises. He came for us, and he has kept doing that. He comes to draw us to himself. He comes to live in us. And from that place, Reconciled to our Father, with Jesus living inside of us, all kinds of impossible things can happen. He came for me, for me, a woman with such a deep emptiness in her soul that no amount of drugs or alcohol or one-night stands or people-pleasing could fill it, though I tried. He came for me. When my past and pain had caught up with me, and I thought the only relief would come by ending my life, I came to the end of me, and there, with open arms, was Jesus, born in Mary, asking to be born in me, to rescue me, to heal me, to love me. It was just a moment, and he came and rescued me. He came to my impossible with his miraculous and made something glorious. He changed my name. He changed it from unwanted, broken, unloved, worthless, and hopeless to precious, beloved, sought after, delighted in, and chosen. In a moment he came, and in a lifetime he continues to come, drawing me ever deeper into his beautiful heart. He came for me, he came for Israel, and he'd love to come for you too, right where you need him most. This Christmas, this day, the miraculous would love to interrupt your ordinary, invade your impossible and birth hope and life in you. Remember that after the angel Gabriel visited Mary, she went to stay with her elderly cousin Elizabeth for three months. And Elizabeth greeted her by saying, Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed is she, and blessed are you, who believes what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Mary responded to Elizabeth with a beautiful poem of praise to God that's now called the Magnificat. It begins with Mary saying, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Mary sings words of beauty and hope. Because God has seen her, 
He has paid attention to her. He has chosen her. How amazing. How glorious. Dear ones, God has chosen you. He sees you in this moment. He is paying attention. He is mindful of you. He has never lost sight of you. Where do you need him to come with his miraculous and make something glorious? Together right now, let's just ask him that he would do that. Jesus, you marvelous king, we need you. We worship you. We ask that you would invade our lives with your power and your presence. Thank you that you came for us. Thank you that you are coming even now. Birth hope in us, Lord. Make us women ripe and expectant. We look to you with trust. We choose to believe you. And we will wonder as we wait, how will you come? God bless you, friends. And Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.